ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George, the assistant to the regional manager behind the glass. And it is a Thursday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. We'll, we'll hold off on how much you guys missed me yesterday until later in the show. Uh, maybe after the show, whenever, whenever you guys want to shower me with praise and, and how much y'all missed me. Uh, we, y'all can do that whenever. Uh, but the Astros, they sweep the series against the guards. Good to get a sweep. It, it feels like it's been a while for the Astros to get a home sweep. Uh, nice to get it done. You know, was it the, the cleanest game? Did you capitalize on a bunch of opportunities? No. But you get the dub. You sweep the series. Dylan Cease didn't help you out, but you're you're gaining ground here in the American League wild card. Astros are playing some pretty good baseball. They are, and I think the biggest thing that was the most encouraging about everything you said, Jeremy, was Ronel Blanco started for the Astros yesterday. Mm-hmm. When I saw him on the hill, I thought, oh, no, they got no shot today. And then when he gave up two quick ones, I thought, oh, please just cut the damage and get him out of the game. But you know what? He did limit the damage. They did take care of business. Chaz McCormick, once again... <laughs> It's just a wrecking crew that no one expected, but everybody needs and loves. Just a phenomenal effort on his part. The rest of the team does their part. A nice sweep, as you mentioned, of Cleveland. Now it starts the gauntlet, the series that it doesn't matter what the records say. It's going to have a little extra emotion in it tonight. Yeah, this one's weird. Like, but with the Astros and Yankees playing over the years, this is probably the least excited I've mm-hmm. been over a Yankee-Astro series. And it has nothing to do with the Astros. No. I mean, the Astros are going to run out uh, Justin Verlander at some point in the series. You're getting Jose Arquiti back at some point in the series. They don't know which one's going Saturday, Sunday. I heard there's some rain in the area in the Bronx this weekend, too. Maybe you're playing a doubleheader one day. Who knows? Um, so there's a lot to be excited for. But the Yankees right now like aren't a formidable foe. Like what the Yankees have been doing, I'm just not as excited about like it's not the last year where these were the two teams fighting for the best record in the American League or Aaron Judge was chasing the home run record. Uh, the Yankees have been a disappointment this season and I think it's diminished what would otherwise be a series that everybody's been waiting for. It doesn't have that same feel. Plus you add in that Cole pitched last night, so you're not even going to see their best pitcher mm, and, and an ex Astro. So he's out of the equation as well. And I think more so than anything else, Jeremy, whenever the Astros play the Yankees, their fan base is on a different level because they're like, this is the year that we show them that we can play with them, that we're going to be get the best of them. And I think even their fan base knows their team flat out sucks this year. Yeah. And, and they've been underachieving. And no matter what they've been doing, grasping at straws to try and fix it, like firing their hitting coach and you know hoping that Aaron Judge comes back to save the, the, the day, the fact is that even the fan base knows this ain't the year for the Yankees, and it hasn't been, and so there's not as much hype and pomp and circumstances there would be. They had some uh, drama, though, yesterday, the Domingo Herman news. Yeah. He's a drunk, I guess. Yes, I guess so, but at least he was <laughs> a self-proclaimed, and he entered himself instead of being told he had to. Is that what happened? I yeah. heard there was like an incident, like no one really knows yet. Oh, maybe there is, but they just the, the headlines were that he voluntarily checked himself into a clinic. I hope it's that. I, I hope it's that. Yeah. Uh, I don't like anybody that's dealing with you know demons. Hopefully get it all figured out, although he does have a checkered past. Uh, you mentioned a couple of things right off the top that I think were the lead stories of that game yesterday. Um, double dong, Chaz McCormick. Like, Chaz McCormick has been unbelievable 
for the Houston Astros. He has an OPS of 922, which is the highest amongst any qualified center fielder in baseball. Higher than any qualified center fielder in baseball, Chaz McCormick. I mean, if Chaz wins any kind of postseason award, the first thing he should say is just, and to Dusty Baker, you like me. You really, really like me. (laughs) Because as much as we heard in Chandler Rome and everybody was pushing that narrative, how can you do anything but like this guy for what he has done? Not just this year, but particularly this year, because... Again, at the start of the year, we were talking right from the first game, and I specifically was very fired up about the fact that Mm -hmm. Dusty was disrespecting him. He didn't deserve this. This was a guy that did a lot of good for you last year. You didn't know what you were going to get this year. And then, lo and behold, he sets a career high for home runs already in in a season with what he's got, 15 now. And every single time you need a hero for a game or a guy to step up that you're really not expecting to, he's been that guy. The other thing, too, like I hear some people, I had somebody hop in my mentions today at Jeremy Branham, uh, say that what's the love fest with Chaz McCormick? Why are we all loving Chaz McCormick? He's a hot streak. Like he's a streak for being a good player. Like that, that Chaz McCormick is riding this heater, and that's the reason that Chaz McCormick is a good baseball player. Okay, fine. Like, let's take away the two months where Chaz McCormick has an OPS over a thousand. Because remember, he's had a weird year. He started off the year pretty good. In fact, was the leadoff hitter for this club for a little bit. Then had like that blurred vision thing. He threw out his back doing uh, like squatting, which is a total bro move to do because Chaz McCormick's a bro, but we love him. Uh, it's a bromance between Chaz McCormick and the Killer Bees. And then he came back. Remember, he was sluggish. He, he was kind of uh, he was struggling offensively. Dusty Baker said maybe we brought him back too early. But since June, Chaz McCormick has an OPS. OPS over a thousand. So people are like, "Oh, he's just a hot streak. He's riding a heater. He's not as good as everybody's making it out to be." Look at Chaz McCormick's career numbers. Then, like, if we're saying that this two months is is better than the mean of Chaz McCormick, okay, I agree with you. I don't think Chaz McCormick is a, is an over one thousand OPS guy like Chaz McCormick has been the last two months. He's definitely riding a wave. This is definitely a hot streak for Chaz McCormick. But let's look at the whole. Let's look at the everything. Let's look at the aggregate of Chaz McCormick's first three years in baseball. He's got a 797 OPS See, and nearly a thousand plate appearances. Like he's almost as an 800 OPS playing a good defensive center field. Look, look at the hole. That's fine. The hole tells you he's really good. Well, and the thing is, too, Jeremy, and you're the one that shed light on it that I wasn't aware of was the his career numbers because I mean, not that he was Dubon esque, but right. I, I just didn't feel the same about his, you know where he had come from and what he had done in the past. That now, after you shed light on it, that I really realized this guy isn't a flash in the pan. This guy, as much as he has holes in his swing and a big long swing, and some of the things we've said in the past, this dude can hit, and this dude can give you numbers that you need. And especially when he's in a position, unlike a corner outfield position, when he's playing center field, he hits better than most center fielders, as you pointed out. And that means he's above average. You got a guy that you weren't really counting on that's been an above average player at his position that's done everything that he's asked, uh, been asked to do. Whenever he's been asked to do it, wherever he's been asked to play. And that's just another one of those guys, when I say the five to seven guys that have saved the season for the Astros, you can start with J.P. France. You can look at all these different guys that have stepped up, Dubon. And Chaz is right in the middle of that because Chaz has been a hero that this team sorely needed this year. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been really, really good. He And, and it's not just the two-month heater that he's on. He, and nearly 800 OPS in three seasons, now, now all full-time seasons. 
Uh, but Chaz McCormick has been outstanding. He's been very, very good for the Houston Astros. You mentioned the Ronel Blanco side of the conversation. Look, you got what you needed from Ronel Blanco. There's a good chance we don't see Ronel Blanco the rest of the season. In fact, it'd be kind of a good thing if you don't see Ronel Blanco the rest of the season because it means everybody's probably healthy. Like maybe he's one of the September call-ups, but not starting a game because the Astros looks like they're going to go to a six-man rotation right now because Verlander's supposed to pitch this weekend or Keedy's supposed to pitch this weekend. Ronel Blanco did what he what he needed to do two runs that you mentioned four innings I, I thought that it was kind of um I didn't think those two runs were his to be completely honest with you uh that you go back to that two runs that he gave up in that game Mauricio Dubon started that rally and they gave it an infield single yeah Mauricio Dubon had a poor game uh, that should have been an error you had the uh where he was picked off after he got on base you had also the the leadoff man in the ninth inning to bring the tying run to the plate on the error there I thought Dubon had a rough game but Renel Blanco I thought did his job for a spot starter that's exactly what you need two runs four innings keep you in the game and allow your offense to go win it your bullpen to go win it as well yeah no doubt about it and you know what you, you handled your business you overcame some potholes in the road you kept on driving you drove it home to the finish line Presley was able to do what he does. Got a nice win. I, I personally, it was a little bit unexpected to me because of Blanco starting, because of the fact that I, you know, I thought coming off the night game to come right back to the day game and with Blanco on the hill, I, was, I thought the numbers were stacked against him. They did just enough to get it done, but they continued to build momentum because now you take three in a row onto the road and you're feeling pretty damn good about the fact that you're facing a Yankees team that is where we said that they are, that you can actually start stacking and racking some wins because you know that the Rangers had an easy time of it with the White Sox. And you now are in a dogfight where every game is important, and now we truly are scoreboard watching. And Dylan Cease, like you said, just did not do anything to help because I tried to watch that game. And when that game got really out of hand two innings in, I turned over to the Yankee game, and I just wanted to see that you know Stanton hit a home run. And then everybody was like, oh, well, where's he been all year? I, I, you, don't never know, you never know who's going to step up for them either, but it's more likely the people that aren't. So you hope you're catching them at the right time. You hope you keep rolling with the momentum and keep doing what you handle your business. And you hope that something happens with the Rangers to not handle theirs. Uh, Corey Jokes. He's in a one for 40 slump in his last 11 starts. His last 40 at bats, obviously, as well. If you want to expand it a little bit, he's three for his last 54. Mm. John Singleton's knocking the cover off the baseball. He's smashing the baseball. And Joe's been on this, and I've, I've pushed back it, Joe. I think I'm ready for it. I think I'm ready for the John Singleton experience. And, you know, I know he's out of options. I know it limits you from, like, a defensive uh, position flexibility type of thing. You lose speed with Corey Jolks. I get all of that, although Jake Myers is playing better than Corey Jolks. Jake Myers should be playing more than Corey Jolks. Go Cougs, I love Corey Jolks, but let's be real about it. I tell you like it is. I'm ready for the John Singleton experience. And, look, he's out of options. That means if you brought him up and he stinks, then you have to cut him. Oh, well, if you bring him up and he stinks and you have to cut him, Oh, well, I'm ready for it. I I think here's the thing, Jeremy. Well, first and foremost, I don't think we need to see Corey Jokes for a bit. I I just think that you keep throwing him out there. You want to show you got his back. You know, you're you're trying to be, you know, the manager that's kind of also big brothering and and guiding and supporting a a kid in his first go around in major league on the major league level. At a certain point, you just realize the best thing for him, just like when Abreu was scuffling and other guys might be, you know, a significant amount of time off or a couple games off where you just let him kind of refocus and, and just kind of settle down his mind and his thoughts and all the pressing and just kind of relax for a couple of days and tell him flat out, look, we're going to we're gonna let you sit for a couple of days to just kind of detox. That's what needs to happen here first and foremost. Now, we saw Singleton when we were watching the, the Space Cowboys a week or so ago. I was impressed. 
I was not expecting much of John Singleton. I know what happened the first time around. I know Milwaukee called him up this year, and it didn't work out. First, I saw a mountain of a man. I mean, when he walked down the field for pregame workout, and I'm going, my goodness, he's almost Jordan-esque. He is a large dude. Then when I saw him at the plate, and he was hitting home runs, and he was smacking doubles with bases loaded, and he was doing things that I didn't expect to see and, and really kind of having good bat control, using multiple parts of the field, I thought, Maybe this guy could help him at some point. I said to you, I thought he might be one of the September call-ups. Maybe it's time to call him up early, and, you know, you didn't co- it didn't cost you anything to get him. See what you got. Some people are, are questioning. Dre said, well, you know, bash on Jolks. Jolks was hitting 289 five weeks ago. That's neat. Uh, he's hitting 245 now. Uh, Carlos Cyclone, so you wouldn't mind a Chaz Myers-Tucker outfield on Jordan DH games? No, Jake Myers right now, if you look at the last two months, Jake Myers is outperforming Corey Jolks offensively, and it's a better defensive outfield when Jake Myers is in there instead of Corey Jolks. Now, if you are bringing up John Singleton, you're not playing him very much, to be quite honest with you. Like, John Singleton's going to be your designated hitter when Jordan's playing left and when Yiner Diaz is catching. Um, If you need to give Abreu like a day off or a DH spot, then Singleton's going to play first base, or you use him late in games as a pinch hitter uh, for a righty, like like a Jake Myers, like a Martin Maldonado, if you've already used Yiner or Yiner's DHing. So you're not going to use Singleton much. But I'd rather see Singleton take the last bench spot on this team right now than Corey Jolks. I hate to say it because I love Corey Jolks and I'm biased towards Corey Jolks, but I got to be honest. I got to call like I see it. And right now I'm more interested in seeing John Singleton have major league at bats than I am Corey Jolks. Well, I mean, right now you're not in the same position you've been in years past where you're just sitting there with such a big lead that you can just experiment and do whatever to your heart's content and nothing's going to really hurt you. But at the same time, Corey Jolks is hurting you right now offensively because he's not giving you anything. He's not bringing anything to the table. And I was the guy that early on when this little slump started, when it was a little slump at the time, mm-hmm. saying, look, he's still barreling the ball. He's hitting the ball hard. I mean, even Blummer and TK had started to catch on to it to say, hey, look, you know, he's got a whole lot of bad luck. Hopefully the baseball gods will start shining on him again because right now they're doing something else to him that ain't fun. It's gotten to the point now where it's just it's way beyond that. It's beyond, yeah, I'm hitting it hard. I'm just hitting it at people. He's in his own head. You can see that he's pressing. He, it's not working out for him right now, and it doesn't mean it's never going to work out for him again. But the time could be right, like I said, in the perfect storm. Sit him down and get a better bat with an opportunity to show what he can do on a team that is not turning away guys that can hit the baseball. It might be in the best interest of Jokes, too, if we're being honest, like to, to get his confidence back. That's what I mean. Like, hey, you, you're a good hitter. You are, but you just need to go hit the baseball Go get a fat bit. and happy on AAA pitching. Yeah. It's, yeah. Hard, it's hard when you're a spot starter at the bigs to, to get out of a slump or to get that confidence back. 713-780-ESPN if you want to get your thoughts in from yesterday's Astros win, the sweep, and now heading to, to Gotham to take on the Yankees in a four-game set. 713-780-3776, the HRP listener line. We're on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's a Pac-Man Joel. I'm at Jeremy Branham. Bad Take Boulevard. We got to get to that. The general makes the list of Bad Take Boulevard today uh, as well. But coming up next, how much does Chaz McCormick factor into Dana Brown trading a couple of outfielders for Justin Verlander? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Houston-based General Ben Spirits wants you to go to the Astros-Yankees game. Not today because it's in New York, but they want to send you to the Astros-Yankees game coming up in September. They have an Astros tickets giveaway happening right now. 
now. Enter for your chance to win a pair of tickets to the Friday, September 1st Astros home game against the Yankees. To enter, head over to the Facebook or Instagram profile at Gentle Ben Spirits, at Gentle Ben Spirits on Facebook or Instagram. Click on the pin giveaway post for instructions. You have through August 14th to enter for a chance to win. Plus, anytime you're at Minute Maid Park, you can find Gentle Ben Spirits serving up their specialty cocktails at Ben's Bar in Section 106. Their secret? unparalleled smoothness. They've mastered the art of eliminating impurities that cause harshness or that unpleasant burn in distilled spirits. You'll love what's not in it. Most bees make honey. These killer bees make great sports insights. But they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. <laughs> Six one zero zero. Chaz has continued getting better ever since coming back from Sugarland last year. Chaz, I mean, that's the other thing too. Is like we just talked about the numbers. How about his approach at the plate? Like, where did he struggle last year? Struggled on breaking pitches. He struggled on pitches on the inner half of the zone. Yesterday, both of his home runs came on breaking balls, and he pulled them out of the ballpark. Like he is turning into a well-rounded hitter. Like last year, breaking balls were a weakness. Pitches on the inside half were a weakness. He has turned those into strengths. Like it, it's been fun to watch the development of Chaz. Look, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm I'm hindsight twenty twenty here. I've been on record calling Chaz a, a great fourth outfielder, not an everyday player. Like I'm eating crow here. Like I'll be completely honest. Like at the start of this season, I still didn't view Chaz as an everyday outfielder. I've changed my opinion. He's he's proved me wrong. I'll eat crow when it comes to Chaz McCormick. Yeah, look. I didn't. I, I'll be honest as I can be. I just didn't see him. I didn't pencil him in as an everyday outfielder in this outfield. I thought he was a, a role playing outfielder, as you said, the fourth out, outfielder on this team. You and did I, say he was the best center fielder on this team, though, as constructed at the start of the year. Yeah, at the start of the year, and you know, I've been very, very down on Jake Myers, and a lot of that had to do with where he's been and how he's played since he's been hurt. But overall, I also knew that I, I just felt like Dusty wasn't gonna wasn't going to really full-blown give his blessing to, to Chaz being out there anyway. But then, based on injuries, they had no choice. But they start, they were platooning him, yes, but they were platooning him at two different positions. So he was, he was getting more run and more chances to play. No one, no one, as you mentioned when we were going over the timeline of his season, no one thought he was getting, especially overcoming the first series and what was done to him by Dusty, no one expected him to just come out of the gates and just be raking. And just doing the things he was doing, and then the unfortunate setback with the injury, and you thought, well, it was a nice start, but it wasn't going to be maintained anyway. But now with the injury, he won't come back and be the same guy. Oh, yeah, he will, and he'll be more than that. And now he's the guy that you just – and you and I, you started it. I, I picked up the baton and ran with it later where you just got to have this guy in the lineup. At a certain point, there just wasn't any questioning it anymore. That's how good he was playing. And yet, as much as he has a legit chance to win Player of the Month for July – he didn't exactly fold up his tents and take a step back in August the way he started off with two bombs yesterday. He continues to show you, you hope that this is longstanding and for the long term and does this over multiple years. But for this season, with how important it's been for guys to step up and, and step in for guys that have been hurt, this dude deserves to be front and center on everything they're doing and get all the credit in the world for what he's done. Yeah, he's been, uh, he's been fantastic. And it leads to the question, um, how much does Chaz McCormick factor in to Dana Brown trading Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford for, for Justin Verlander, how much of the equation do you think that played? I I, I don't I, I don't think that there's I don't think that there is that that just happened by accident. Uh, you know when we were talking about this the other day and yesterday again, 
I really believe that I understand that there were thoughts Drew Gilbert was your center fielder of the future. And you didn't know when that future would start for him. Was it two years down the road? Is it three years down the road? In the, in the grandiose of grand plans, if he kept raking every, on every level, maybe next year he was in the equation. But I think it was at least two, maybe three down the road. With as good as Chad is pl- Chaz is playing, under team control, and the fact that he's shown you everything he has to show you, both offensively and defensively, I don't think that that's any secret that Dana Brown looked at what he's got and said, I think this kid, even if he doesn't have the kind of offensive year that he's having this year completely, and he can't string it together that consistently next season, he's better than most on both sides of the baseball to where I feel comfortable putting him in center field. Yeah, I don't don't know how much it played a part into trading him, uh, to trading Gilbert and Clifford, a couple of outfield uh, prospects. Now, Part of this conversation is that Chaz McCormick is he signed with the Astros through twenty six. He's under club control at the Astros until the the two thousand twenty six season through the two thousand twenty six season when he's thirty one years old. So it's kind of the beauty of Chaz McCormick is that you're going to get the six years, the best six years of his career, and you're going to pay him very little money. You're probably not resigning Chaz McCormick at the age of thirty two. Now, what I found interesting, and I, I I was busy yesterday. I didn't have an opportunity to you know I didn't prep for the show. I wasn't on the show. Last night was the first time that I got around to listening to Dana Brown, the press conference, talk about the trade. I was really surprised when Dana Brown said, he said that Drew Gilbert wasn't a center fielder. He said that he's very hesitant to trade players from the middle of the field, catcher, short, center field. But Dana said he traded two corner outfielders. So they view Gilbert as a corner outfielder. They don't view him as a center fielder. I went and looked at Gilbert's game logs and positional, like where he's playing, and he has split most of his time in center field and in right field. But hearing Dana Brown say that in his press conference makes me believe that they don't think Drew Gilbert is an everyday center fielder. They think he's an everyday corner outfielder, and quite frankly, if that if that comes to fruition, if Dana Brown is right that he's a corner outfielder and not a center fielder, that does diminish Drew Gilbert's value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought his, a lot of his comments were really interesting because I know there's the one that you talked about on, on Twitter, Jeremy. We talked about it yesterday where like he called these guys – Everyday players, but yeah, they also call them average. Well, yeah. He called them. He called them. They're going to be good big leaguers, and they're average everyday guys. Yeah, it was really like in the in the same breath. Yeah, we were trying to analyze that. Like, what exactly does that mean? Because to me, it feels like you got like uh, a Steve. You, you were giving away a Steve Kerr and, and another, you know, like a, a sixth man type player. You know you who I heard? Giving away like stud players. You know I who I heard? <laughs> you know what I? You know the first player I thought of whenever he said that. And, and this, look, Drew Gilbert's been compared to this guy before, so it's not like a unique comparison. Brett Gardner, Cole Calhoun, like that type of player. Like whenever, whenever he said that, because a lot of times, Gutty, you, gritty, has yeah, some pop, yeah, yeah, but not a center fielder. Right. He's a corner outfielder right. that probably doesn't hit as good for the position right. as you would like. Like he's not a slugger, but he's a solid player. And also, as a general manager, when you're talking about prospects. Like most prospects that you have in your system aren't big leaguers, so whenever you call a, a a guy a big leaguer, that means that 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 that's a compliment. Like he's going to make the bigs, but to say that he's going to be a like a big leaguer, but then an average big leaguer, it goes to tell me that maybe Dana Brown wasn't like over the moon with Drew Gilbert, like all of we are, and also. Look, Drew Gilbert wasn't on every single top 100 list. The not Astros- only that, Jeremy, Drew, Drew Gilbert was not a Dana Brown guy. Drew Gilbert was in the system before Dana Brown. Yeah, and Dana Brown spoke highly of him. Like He, he right. claims that the Braves would have drafted Gilbert or he was on the Braves' radar because they were picking next that year. Sure. But that's also something that like, I think people just say. But you, like A I, new GM mm-hmm. doesn't ever really – they, they, don't, they don't 
beat down the guys in the system. They, you see them trade them, and, and that's when you get the truth about how they really But feel. the point that I was making simply because of the fact that I've experienced it is general managers in every sport want their guys. Guys that they have put the work in on and they, have feel, they feel a certain way for. When they inherit somebody else's guys, sure, there's plenty of times when you inherit a guy and go, there's, there's no question, this is a player. I, I, I like this kid. But there's also a lot to be said, and I saw Daryl Morey do this a lot. Daryl Morey came in, not my kind of guy. I don't think it was as much about he didn't draft him or he didn't develop him, but he has a certain guy in mind for him doing his job for this team. That might not be his type of guy. So, you know, a lot of things could have factored in here. Another thing, too, is that maybe they learned that he's not going to be a center fielder. Like, whenever Dana Brown said that, was was around spring training, right? Like, wasn't it before the start of the season? Yeah, it was like right when he got hired. So, like, a lot has happened between then and now. Like, one, Drew Gilbert has had the elbow issues. But maybe they've learned that Gilbert's range in center field isn't very good. Maybe they he has to be a corner outfielder because his range isn't fantastic. So, you know, a lot can change in those few months, especially for the young player. Like, Drew Gilbert didn't play a whole lot of professional baseball last year. Right. He got hurt pretty quickly yep. uh, after his professional debut. So, like, most of the information you have about Drew Gilbert as a professional baseball player comes this season. It comes after Dana Brown said that he's like enamored with Drew Gilbert. So I agree with you, Joe, that that's something that you say about your prospects. We love them all. You should always tell your like all your prospects you love them. One because it's good for the prospect. Two because other teams around the league are like, oh, that, they they love Drew Gilbert. I want him. But at the when same, I'm trading Justin Verlander, at, at the same time, Drew Gil, I mean, Drew Gilbert was also challenged by Dana Brown early on in the season and before the season started and the tone of it was hey Drew if you if you perform you could be up this year like it maybe it was a September call up but so Dana Brown also like issued that challenge just to Drew Gilbert publicly saying like hey man like like let me see what you got I think there's a chance if they didn't trade Drew Gilbert that he would have been up this year yeah like I think he'd be Corey, up in September if, yeah I do too because if Corey Jolks continues to struggle if Jake Myers is giving you just mediocre production in the outfield why wouldn't you like he's, or if the Brantley injury too like continues to hold form, I think he would have been an option had you not traded him. And I think Brantley again uh, the sprinkles. I'm just going to call him the sprinkles and the icing. But the Brantley situation could have gone either way. You might have looked for an extra bat on the bench if you knew that for sure he wasn't going to be around. But even if he's hitting now, you're using September truly as just like an audition for guys that maybe it's this year, maybe it's next year. But you just want a further evaluation against big league talent to where I think that Gilbert and John Singleton could have been guys that were up just to see. Sure, it would have been a big bonus if they could help this year, but it would give you a really deep dive into what they could be on the big league level as you move forward or at least a, a first indication. And I think that that's something you might have seen. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line. Do you think uh, Chaz's emergence factored into Dana being willing to trade Gilbert, will, willing to trade Clifford? 713-780-3776. Do you have any concerns after the trade deadline about this team? I have one concern, and also the other question. Is Michael Brantley's return a must for this organization. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. 1642. Branham, need another SIG. Uh, 4624. What's wrong with Branham's voice? 
Sounds hoarse. Uh, my kitchen is dirty on Twitch. Says if I had the money, I would door dash Branham some cough drops. King of Twitch said that he did that with a gift card, but he never got here. So you could have just said you did it and then got lost in the mail like King of Twitch said. Uh, we'll be at Drift Bar tomorrow. Uh, Joe, you might be hosting and I might be engineering. That's cool. We, I'm, might, I'm, we might be switching shifts tomorrow. I, I mean, I'll be out there engineering, so whatever you guys need me. I mean, they're calling me right now on uh, the Twitch uh, a bad teammate because I'm not talking enough to to carry your ass right now, Jeremy. Yeah, I need so some help. Whatever need you, you need, to... I'm here for you. Musical chairs tomorrow. You guys could just switch I'm gonna, segments. I'm going to engineer tomorrow's show. Joe's Brandon, turn me up it. in my headphones. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. I'm just going to mute blank randomly. <laughs> Have some fun with it. You do it anyway. Um, I don't mute you. Sometimes. I try. <laughs> uh, 713-780-ESPN. It is a struggle. Uh, the one concern that I have post-deadline here, Blankers. Yes. Uh, look, I, I, I think that the left field spot and the depth spot is my one concern. Now, ideally, in a perfect world, you can survive it. Like in the playoffs, okay, you're on Alvarez as your left fielder, assuming they can stay healthy. Like that's the big thing is health. But if you get to the playoffs, and I don't want this to be during the regular season. Like I don't want Jordan playing 60% of the games in left field, and I'm willing to live with that, even if it means less Yiner Diaz. Um, once you get to the postseason, look, Jordan's your left fielder, Yiner's probably your DH, and Maldonado's probably your catcher. I can live with that. I can live with it. Now what scares me is, all right, what if uh, what if Jordan has an ankle sprain and can't play left field? Like, now you're looking at your lineup needing to have either Jake Myers or Corey Jolks in it. It means Yiner Diaz probably isn't being isn't playing because I, I doubt that Dusty sits Maldi in the postseason, at least for most of the starters, Fromber, Javier, uh, Justin Verlander. So I do look at left field, and look, I'm not counting Brantley into this equation because I don't trust Michael Brantley. Sprinkles and icing. <laughs> what does that mean? Because that he is, if, I said I won't talk about him. Yeah. At, at this point, if he is anything to this team. He's a cherry on it's, top? It's, yeah, it's the, it's the sprinkles <laughs> and the icing on the cake, and other than that i'm not worried about i like the comp i think it's a good one yeah. it works it works for me um left field is one concern that i have post deadline now look Jordan Jordan's healthy enough plays left field every single game of the playoffs Geiner dh is every single game of the playoffs maldonado's doing his thing with these hidden intangibles calling a great game you can get by you can live with it but it is an area that i look at right now where i'm like man i hope it all works out you can be a better ball club if you do more than that i mean to your point yeah i mean that's a that's a good lineup yeah that's still going to be a, a, a potent offensive lineup that can do some things for you. But if you're looking for the best offensive lineup, and you're right, we, I, we keep talking, and I keep mentioning how the Astros are hyper-focused all the time on insurance. Got to have insurance across the diamond. Got to have insurance at every position. Well, you don't have a whole lot of insurance right now if Chaz is your everyday center fielder on what to do if Jordan does tweak something else or he's not in the lineup in, and not your left fielder. Because... You could conceivably think you could have one of the best. When Joe and I were talking about this yesterday, you could have one of the best offensive lineups in baseball if Jordan's your left fielder, if Yiner is your catcher, yeah, and then you have another potentially big bat that you can put a designated hitter. But you don't have that big bat, right? And that's the thing. It could be you know icing and sprinkles, but probably you can't count on him. And then you don't have a whole lot of other options where you think <laughs> they can come in and give you some thump. I already forgot who icing and sprinkles was for a second. I'm like, who is he talking? Oh, he's talking about Brantley. Yeah. Um, yeah, like that that idea that's kind of like why I wish the Astros would have traded for a bat. Because that that is like a that's your death lineup. Like when you need offense, that's your death lineup. Now, if we're gonna talk about 
who's catching in the postseason, and I hate to put the cart in front of the horse, like, I, I don't see Martin Maldonado not catching Fromber. Martin Maldonado is not catching Justin, or he's not he's not catch, yeah, catching right. Justin Verlander. He's going to catch Fromber. He's going to catch Verlander. He's probably catching Javier. Yeah. Javier's only started one game with Yiner Diaz. So, like, I've already... I've already assumed that when the postseason runs around, that Martin Maldonado starting at catcher is a sunk cost. I am already sharpying him into the lineup when those three guys are on the mound. Now, J.P. France, that could be a Yiner Diaz start. Uh, Arcini even worked to Yiner Diaz a lot before he ended up getting hurt. Uh, who am I missing here? Who's the other starting pitcher that I'm not? Uh, Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown's been working to Yiner Diaz a decent amount. So I think Yiner's going to get one guy, and I think Maldonado gets the other three. So that's one area that, that I have some concerns. you have concerns at all post-deadline? It, the one thing about that is that I guess the concern is how much that means Jordan's going to be in left. Because that to me means the postseason lineup is going to be Maldonado catching, mm-hmm. you know, three out of four games. Yep. And Diaz, if it's a righty, will be your DH. If it's a lefty, Jordan will be your DH. So if it's a righty, Jordan's going to be in left field. I think most of the time. But if Jake Myers keeps playing this way, there might be an argument for Jordan to be the DH, Chaz in left, and Jake in center. So like, you kind of have some options. And then I guess this, I mean. Are we going to see the Mauricio Dubon center field thing come back? Yeah, it's with, Ver, with Verlander, like, you so might. So, like, there's some options where I think they can get by with now that it's pretty clear Maldi's going to be the catcher a majority of the time. And I hear you, Joe. I just don't want to get by. I, I want to have a better answer than that. I want them to have had, it, again, insurance policy, a better solution and possible solutions than that. Because I think that when you're looking at it, in my opinion, when you go to the postseason, Jordan's in left field every day. Are we crying over spilt milk though, or do you think there's an option out there? Well, I mean, Joe mentioned that they're gonna they're gonna DFA uh, everyone's favorite. Oh, he's been DFA. Yeah, Mancini. Mancini. Jokes has been better than Mancini. Yeah, Mancini though. stinks. Like I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm done with that, I'm, and I'm, I'm over. But that. if it doesn't cost you anything, and he's had experience playoffs, Major League Baseball, you know, it doesn't hurt you per se mm-hmm. to see what you got. That see if you could pick up something that could help you there. But I think that they still had. I, I don't. No, you obviously can't make a trade, but I think that they still have to be open to any possible option to get better than Corey Jolks. Because as I kept saying, yeah. he he was serviceable for the first half of the season as a big league player playing left field. I don't think he's ready for he's, he's obviously not ready for baseball right now. Playing at a high, Look, not playing at a high level. I don't think he's ready for the playoffs. I, I love Corey Jolks. You know this. Yep. I, I've I've seen him play. 150 college baseball games. He went to U of H. I do baseball. I do play for U of H baseball. I, I love Corey Jolks. Corey Jolks was left unprotected off the 40-man roster. The, the Astros dangled him to every single team in the Rule 5 draft, and they didn't want him. That's the reality of the situation. Jolks was, got off to a great start. It was a great story. Pitchers have caught up, and Jolks has struggled. Now, Corey Jolks has actually outperformed Trey Mancini, though. He's, he's out-hit Trey Mancini, and on top of that, Jolks gives you better defense than Mancini, and he steals bags, which Mancini does not do. Like, if you wanted to sign Mancini to the Spacers and see if he, like, yeah. lights, like, he lights it up and catches fire and then, like, reevaluate in a month, I'm, I'm down with that. But I'm not signing Mancini right now to replace Corey Jolks. Now, your routes, pick, put him on the Spacers, let's see what happens. Like, that's fine. Like, I'm not going to get upset about that. That'd be silly to get upset about it. It's no risk and a small, small chance for reward. I think the same thing with Singleton. I think Singleton right now is there's no risk, chance for small, small reward. But other than that, that's probably it. Those are probably your only options. 
or from like an outside source. Other than that, you're either going with the Jake Myers center, Chaz left, Jordan DH, Jordan's in left field, uh, your DH and Yiner, you're playing Martin Maldonado. That's where they're at. That's why that's why that's my concern because I felt like you could have used one more bat. Um, like people are texting in Mauricio Dubon. Yeah. Dubon's a below average offensive player. Dubon's been really good this year. He is a below average offensive player. Um, to me, he was my bat version of Montero. He's having like an out of body experience, or he had one at the first half of the season. But you can't expect him to be a guy that you plug and play for offensive production as this team goes into the playoffs. And you, you, I don't believe certainly you can't play him at designated hitter because whoever you're putting at DH. That's what they're paid to do. They should come in with a bat to be able to to do some things and impact the game from an offensive perspective. And I don't know that they that they they can rely on Dubon right now to do that. No, I mean, do, do, OPS plus is a is a stat. And the average offensive player OPS plus is always one hundred. That's the way that the formula works. The average offensive player in Major League Baseball OPS plus is always one hundred. Mauricio Dubon's eighty. Like Dubon, Dubon was able to fill out Tuve's shoes for a minute. He was able to fill in around the infield for a minute. Dubon is a really nice player to have as a utility guy that can play every single position. If Mauricio Dubon is starting every day for you at a position, you're not going to be very good offensively at that position. Dubon's a great utility guy, but he should be more than a utility guy. Mm-hmm. And the bench also does worry me a little bit. Like the hint, like um, Greg Kessinger being on this team. What if Greg Kessinger just pressed into duty? Like, you can still win a World Series as constructed, but the Astros could have gotten a little bit better there. And to your point, if you added a bat, now the guy instead of Greg Kessinger that's going to be pressed into duty is Dubon. And in short, like you mentioned, in short doses at different positions, he can do just fine. He can be that guy where you can rely on him to play good defense, to, to not have a moment be too big for him on the major league level, and he can get some timely hits for you. But if you're looking for him to be a DH and do it every night offensively, I don't. I, I think that's far-fetched in thinking that that could be your answer. 713-780-ESPN, do you have an answer? Do you have concerns post-deadline about this team that is good enough to win the World Series? Let's be very clear on that. We are nitpicking here. We'll agree. 713-780-3776. Let's get to the question we didn't get to either. I, I saw a story today on cron.com saying that Michael Brantley's return is pivotal for the Houston Astros. Is that the case? Is Michael Brantley's return a must for the Strohs? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Mike Holly, U of H class of 1990, used to protect the Heisman Trophy winner. Now he wants to protect you. He's protecting the interest of businesses for nearly 25 years in our great city. HRMP provides comprehensive human capital management services, including HR compliance, benefits administration, and payroll. HRMP will also work with you to customize a plan for whatever you need. There's nothing cookie cutter about HRMP. You need a little help, you need a lot of help. Anything in between, HRMP will create a plan for what you and your business needs. Also, their customer service is second to none. There isn't a stranger on the other side of the line. You'll be calling someone that is familiar with you and familiar with your company. I can speak to that customer service. Anytime I have a question, I always get a quick response that's easy to understand. Let HRP take on the demands of human resources. Eliminate your HR burden so you can get back to growing your business. Give them a call at 281-880-6525 and let HRP customize a plan for you. 281-880-6525 or check them out at hrp.net. That's hrp.net. Welcome back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. Killer Bees are also known as Africanized Bees. And we all know there's nothing Africanized about these two guys. 
It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Yo, go ahead. Y'all know what I'm going to say. 3%. 3%. 3%. 23 and me. Um, I said 0% yesterday. Joel didn't even hear me. <laughs> well done. Uh, day one Donna says uh, Branham's doing his best stutes. I wasn't supposed to say that. 713 Can you give me a really high-pitched cackle? No, don't do that. That's gonna hurt. Voice, yeah, you might you might pull a complete hurt. plug. That would yeah. hurt today. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm being dead serious. That yeah. would hurt today. Uh, six eight three three. I said the number wrong, but who cares? Uh, when do you guys think we'll have a Justin Durden appearance in the big leagues? I mean, he might be a guy in September. Like if if you continue to have outfield struggles, Jokes is struggling. Jake's been okay, and like Jake plays a good defensive center field. Like I don't I don't I don't hate Joe's scenario. In fact, I'd rather see Jake more than Corey right now. Like if Jake's playing center, Chaz is playing left, and Jordan's your DH, and Yiner's catching, that's fine. Like that's that's totally fine. But I think there is a chance that we could see Justin Dearden. I think Dearden might be a guy you see in September. I, I think again, knock on wood, you don't want any injuries. But there's a guy. He's a guy that's been doing enough to to, to have Dana Brown and company take notice to the point where I think he'd be in consideration. I mean, your guy had a home run last night. That, he, but I, I think we've seen enough Who's of that? Bly Madris. Oh, did he really? Yeah, he, he went yard <laughs> last night. I don't think it should matter at all because I think we've seen enough of him to know that he is a four A player or or just yeah. a three A player. I'm so, good. I, I'm good if I never. Yeah, see him I don't. Again. I don't need to see him again, especially this year. So if there's someone that you haven't seen enough of or you'd like to see more of, that's what you're talking about. And if you're curious about Singleton, he was never in your plans anyway. But if he's a chance to be a guy that might be able to contribute for this season, take a look. If he's not. Send him on his way, and it, no, you know, love no, nothing lost there. But I would do the same exact thing, uh, but it, with a different thought process in mind. That Durden's still your guy. He, you could, you could utilize him, and he could still be helpful, and you could still monitor him on Sugarland. But if you see him continuing to progress, and something happens where you want to see a, a, or need another bat, give him a shot in September. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Key from LA says that I get banned for a week. No, he had a lot of really bad takes that the exact opposite have come through. But he's a friend of the show. We're not going to ban him. Is he going to make the list today? We called him out today. We I mean, yesterday we called him out and said, Key, everything you say, the exact opposite happens. And every time you get on your soapbox to brag about your Dodgers, you crap the bed. You're the Utah Jazz of callers or texters, but it's fine. So you're going to put him on the list today? Is he going to make the list of Bad Take Boulevard? He might. Sweet. He guaranteed Justin Verlander was going to be a Dodger. Relax, There's, guys. JV's going to be a Dodger. It didn't happen. There's another listener that made the list, so he would be he would be in good company. You know, the, thing with, company. the thing with Durden is, like, if you look at his stats this year, Pedro Leone's having a better season. Yeah, Durden's been pretty I mean, pedestrian, like, honestly. He's, he has a 760 OPS. Durden does. His batting average is 252. He has nine home runs. Pedro Leon, his OPS is 800. His average is eight points higher. He has six more home runs. How many runs. strikeouts does he have? Um, a lot. How I'm many? Guessing. Oh, you don't, okay. 112. And how many at bats? Uh, 339. That's what I am terrified about Pedro Leon for. That's he why Pedro Leon would have been out of traded three times. His strikeout rates like 33 percent roughly. Yeah. Yeah, I would have. I would have traded him. Well, we saw him. So is Dirk. when we were when is we it were really that bad. Yeah. Well, and, and, there you go. And I said it to Joe, but when we saw him. At the game at the Space Cowboys, I was shocked how small he was. Um, Pedro Leon, yeah, I was expecting a guy that was a little more rocked up, a little, you know, that because he has some pop. I was like, you know what? I'm expecting a guy that's a little bit more of like a, a chiseled. He's he's very slight. What do they list him at? You I still have it up? They list him at five eight one seven. Yeah, that's, is that five eight to me was shocking. 
do you do, do you believe it's five eight one seventy? I believe that. Yeah, I think he's okay. he's. I think it's an accurate five eight. So not you. smaller than five eight one seventy. He's a little yoked. Yeah, it's so like he's got some muscle in there. So he looks a little bit. So he looks like me. It sounds like five eight one seventy yoked. You just described me. I think it's always kind of hard to tell because like he didn't look. Like, it's not like Deuce Vaughn, the Cowboys running back, who looks like a toddler running on the football field. Pedro <laughs> Leon didn't look like that. But, like, he, he does look smaller. I mean, their numbers are – so they both strike out 30% of the time. Durden has struck out 90 times in 270 at-bats this probably, year. So they're it's, probably both 4A players. Yeah. But Leon's like, got tools. Leon looked like Earl Boykins to me. I mean, he did. He looked like a, you know, a very, very undersized guard that – you know, has has ability, but it was shocking to me because I was expecting a little more rocked up, a little more like kind of beefy guy. But he eye opener. Battery Chuck says more like five eight one seventy gooey. One seventy would be generous, <laughs> super generous for you. Yeah, super generous. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Willie, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's up, Willie? Thanks for taking my call. Always. I, I'd like to say that we shouldn't give up on Doobie Show soon. Without without him, I think we'll have four, maybe five more losses, like like the Friday night at Texas when he drove in the two runs mm. and the game in Oakland, the game in, at the Dodgers. There's a few games where he had the game winning hit. Everybody's not going to slug 800. But, but Willie, we're not giving up on him, and I'm giving him his flowers all year as one of the unsung heroes that has carried this team. But as we go forward, and you're trying to put the best team out there that has World Series aspirations, his best role for you is just that, a role player, that he can play wherever you need someone, or as you kind of move the lineup around, or God forbid you have an injury, he's capable of all those things. But the point was, if he was going to be a guy that was going to be your regular designated hitter in the playoffs, I don't think that's enough at that position. No, I mean, look, appreciate the call, Willie. Um, Look, Dubon, I agree with with Willie. Like, Dubon's probably, if you didn't have Dubon and you had Hensley running out there for every game that you had Dubon, you probably do have at least four fewer wins, probably more. Uh, Dubon has been a, a huge benefit to this team, a savior when Jose Altuve was hurt. He is great to have as a utility guy. But Mauricio Dubon is an underrated offensive player. Like it's a fact. It's a fact. Marie, underrated or overachieving? Um, he's not a good offense player. Right. He's 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 not. He's a below. What did I say? You said underrated. I meant I meant to say below average. Yeah. My bad. He is yeah. a below average offensive player. He, like even even this year, people think that Mauricio Dubon's been outstanding. Again, I go to OPS plus eighty. His, you know his career OPS plus is eighty. Like <laughs> Dubon's been who Mauricio Dubon I was is seventy five. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like I would, I would have probably guessed that too, because it does feel like Dubon's playing better than his career averages. But quite frankly, he's playing right at his career averages. An eighty OPS plus, his career is eighty. Uh, his OPS this year six fifty four. His career six fifty three. Dubon's a below average offensive player. Is he great to have as your first bench player? Yes, especially with his positional flexibility. But he's not an everyday guy. And if he is an everyday guy, you're getting below average offensive production at whatever position he's playing at. 713-780-ESPN. Both things can be true. 713-780-3776. So I opened up the Cron today. Michael Shapiro does great work for Cron.com. Cron.com is a really good site. They have a story, and it's kind of going to the same tenor of like one of these concerns I kind of have in the back of my mind with this team. It says, and you call them icing and sprinkles, sprinkles and icing, uh, Michael Brantley's return, this is the headline, Michael Brantley's return is pivotal for the Houston Astros after trade deadline. Is that true? Is Michael Brantley's return pivotal for the Houston Astros after the trade deadline? I don't think it's pivotal. I think it could be a big help for this team. It could be a, a jolt and a big boost. 
but I don't think it's pivotal because they've played all year without him, and they've, they've put themselves still in a very good position to be in uh, going towards the playoffs. So I don't think pivotal is the right word. I think he's a guy that could, if he comes back and he's anything close to the player he's been offensively, he's a shot in the arm. But I don't think he's pivotal. I would I would agree with you. Like the Astros won the World Series last year without him. Correct. The Astros, uh, but he gave a hell of a locker room speech. He did do it. That's great. He's yeah. in the he's in the dugout. Mound visits and locker room speech. He's in the dugout. So I mean he's he's around. That's great that he's around. I'm with you though. Like I'm not even I'm not even allowing Michael Brantley and the return of Michael Brantley enter my mind. I am like we just spent the first 55 minutes of the show saying that left field DH maybe bench is like the one weakness. If you're nitpicking at weaknesses for the Astros post trade deadline that you can have. Even then, with that being like the one hole, I am not allowing Michael Brantley to enter the conversation of him returning to the lineup. We didn't allow Michael Brantley's name to enter the conversation of what does a playoff lineup look like. If Michael Brantley one day in three weeks says, okay, we're ready to activate Michael Brantley, I'll worry about it then. I'm not worrying or even thinking about Michael Brantley until that moment comes, and quite honestly, I don't think that moment is going to come. Yeah, I mean, we can call him sprinkles and icing or C. As in, see, I'd love to have him, but I'm not counting on him. Or see ya. Or, or see ya. And then we could also call him is, which is icing and sprinkles. Like, is he ever going to come back? And I don't think he is either. So, regardless, he'd be a shot in the arm if he came back and he was anything close to what he used to be. But because we're already to this point in the season, have not seen him in last year, as you mentioned, he wasn't a part of that run either. I'm not thinking that he's a solution. I'm not thinking that he is pivotal. I'm not relying on him to be anything. It annoyed the hell out of me that twice yesterday they had long-standing one-shots of him in the dugout with these big-ass sunglasses on just kind of kicking it, and I'm going, that's a whole lot of money spent on a dude that's really just relaxing right now. And and you need someone, with, especially with the money you spent on him, to be worthy of being a guy that could help push this team up a notch. Can I have a cash him or trash him real quick? I don't even know if I want to put this out of the ether. But here it goes. <laughs> Michael Brantley has looked very happy in the dugout, hadn't he? Yeah. He looks very he looks thrilled. He was like laughing, he's joking, he's stealing Dusty Baker's sunglasses, all of this. What have we known about Michael Brantley in the past? Super serious. Never yeah. cracks a smile. Always like like very, very stoic. Is Michael Brantley enjoying retirement? I'm gonna cash it. There we go. There we go. There's Michael Brantley, bench coach, reaction. 2024. Doesn't yeah. he look super happy? See, I think Maldi could be your bench coach. I think Maldi's going to be your backup catcher. That too. Uh, Might be your starting catcher. <laughs> were they really dusty sunglasses? I think they were like dusty giveaway glasses or something. Uh, but he and Maldi both had them. Okay. So I think they might have been giveaways. But yeah. It's an interesting twist to think like, about. He's sitting there laughing in the dugout. Brantley never him, laughed in no, the dugout. You saw, him, you saw him slap Chaz in the face on the first home run. He's like, Give, yeah. Yeah. He's being silly. Yeah, he's farting around a whole lot. He's there for laughs and giggles and, giggles yeah. and important World Series speeches. He's the quality control hitting coach. Like he, He's there for a World Series speech if they need one. He's their Tony Robbins. He's their uplifting, motivational speaker. He never did that. I think David's going to take a exception to us talking about Mauricio Dubon in a, a negative way. We'll do that on the other side. 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line. 713-780-3776. Ridiculous with our awful takes. Uh, Michael Brantley's return of must. Also, we'll get to it at some point. Uh, borrowing Tillman's terms. Tillman Fertitta. I love him. What is phase two for uh, the Houston Texans? Killer B's ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.